Hello, and welcome to the Partners for Access Rare Disease and Cell and Gene Therapy Weekly Roundup. I'm your host, Max Rex. We're now back from our summer break, and we will return to our usual weekly episode schedule from this week. Every week, we at Partners for Access will bring you the most important developments from the orphan drug and cell and gene therapy world and what they mean for you. This week, we will cover another European HTA setback for CAR-T, Denmark and Norway joining forces for high-value drug negotiations and US patient organizations pushing back against ISA's growing influence on drug reimbursement. Since the approval of the CAR-T therapies, Kimraya and Yescarta, by the EMA in August, there has been a flurry of activity in England regarding their reimbursement. The latest news is that the UK medicines watchdog NICE has rejected Novartis' Kimraya for patients with diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. This comes only a couple of weeks after NHS England announced a commercial deal with Novartis to provide Kimraya to patients with B-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Last month, Gilead's rival CAR-T, Yescarta, was also rejected by NICE in this same indication. Interestingly, Kimraya did not meet the criteria to be considered a life-extending treatment at the end of life, whereas Yescarta did. This is very strange as they were both being assessed in the exact same indication. Being considered a life-extending therapy at the end of life means that NICE will allow a drug to be less cost-effective than a standard drug, but still be reimbursed on the NHS. Although this did not matter that much for Yescarta, as it was far above the cost-effectiveness threshold anyway, it may have made a difference in this instance, as Kimraya was much closer to the threshold. Novartis quickly expressed their surprise at the decision, and said that they will work with NICE to try and negotiate a deal to give patients access. And now, onto Denmark and Norway's drug purchasing agreement. Aparna Krishnan is here to tell us more. So Danish and Norwegian governments signed a declaration of intent to jointly start purchasing drugs last week. Initially, the agreement is expected to focus on joint negotiations involving drugs for small patient groups, which they they anticipate will have a potentially high price. The declaration makes clear that decisions relating to what drugs to be purchased and its volume, etc., will be made nationally. But that once agreed, the purchasing will, it will include a tendering system in order to negotiate prices. The collaboration encourages the Danish pharmaceutical procurement service, Amgros, to merge its offers on a selected range of drugs with its Norwegian counterpart, uh, LIS, and negotiate it jointly. So what does this actually mean for the pharmaceutical industry? This agreement follows a recent development that involved joint procurement talks for Biogen's spinal muscular dystrophy drug, Spinraza, and signals the first concrete steps towards the setting up of a larger Nordic purchasing system with the aim of bringing down prices of expensive drugs. This talk of cooperation among the Nordic countries first emerged publicly in 2014 when a report on the future cooperation on health was published and a working group was formed in 2017 to exchange information among the six countries. This new trend of combined purchasing system will put pressure 
on prices of new drugs that will undoubtedly be part of the negotiations. The pharmaceutical industry will need to accelerate efforts to demonstrate the value of innovation in order to attain the best price. Following on from the announcement by CVS Caremark that it would incorporate value-based pricing analyses from ISA in its coverage choices for expensive drugs, a group of over 90 organizations representing patients, caregivers, and physicians in the U.S. have written to the CEO, Larry Merlo, asking CVS to reconsider its decision. The pushback from these patient groups is in many ways similar to the response from the pharmaceutical industry, citing problems with using quality-adjusted life years, or qualies, like using a one-size-fits-all assessment for patients in highly different situations. They also claim in the letter that the policy discriminates against the elderly and the chronically ill, as these quality calculations suggest that their lives are worth less than others. Also in the last few days, a PHRMA report has been published which explains why using ISA analyses is not appropriate or useful for private payers. The report makes similar claims to what has been said by patient organisations and by many others before. CVS immediately defended the move, but did say that it will meet with the patient organisations involved with this letter in order to address their concerns. According to a CVS spokesperson, the benefit design will not be discriminatory and, in fact, will improve the chances that patients with disabilities and serious illness will be able to get the treatments they need at a price they and the health system can afford. The debate over the role of ISA and cost-effectiveness analysis in the US market seems only to be intensifying, and this is unlikely the last we will hear about this policy. And that's it for this week. For more news and analysis, go to our website www partnersforaccess.com. On the 18th of October, P4A's managing partner, Sophie Schmitz, will be chairing a panel discussion on the challenges and solutions for rare diseases at the BIA's London-based event. Register now on the BIA's website to find out more. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and please do share your thoughts in the comments. See you next week. Goodbye.